0: Mark and Tim still talking about starting a podcast.
1: Well, there it is, Mark. We're still talking about starting a podcast. Are we
0: live? <laughs> <laughs> what, is, what is the point with a countdown it's here, so people? This, unprofessional, is, like, this right? is this isn't the first episode anymore, right? We should know what we're doing by now. Well,
1: I think I think we're doing. I, I would say that it should be a marketed. Well, and the truth is, if you're listening to this as a podcast and not the video hopefully the audio is even better we'll see we're trying to figure out the audio, trying to to increase oh. the uh the the level the quality level on the audio um and and just get everything better now if you're listening if you're watching the live stream the live stream audio is not going to be better that's going to be what it is sorry and and to
0: talk about audio to you're the one thing i forgot to do did you start, did you forget to hit record? I forgot to hit record. <laughs> so the next podcast, not this it'll, one, but the next better. one. The audio is going to be better. This one a, probably not. It's a process. But to get 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 used to this uh new system with you. It's, it's like it a is. new marriage, right? You kind of it, it'll take us a few years to get used to each other. That's a few
1: years. Okay. Well, that's what we're that's what we're in for here then. All
0: right. All right. Um <laughs> How you been, Tim? How's your week?
1: I've, yeah, well, this is, because this is, Mark, Mark had some things he wanted to share and wanted to make sure he didn't tell me beforehand because we don't talk except for the podcast, and we feel like that is, that right. is going to be the thing that makes this work, is that this is just two developers talking at the end of a week about whatever it is that they're doing and about life and about being a developer and all that kind of fun stuff.
0: I agree, because, Tim, I would like to welcome you to the third Uh-oh. show of the greatest developer podcast on the planet.
1: Yeah, let's not oversell it. Let's not oversell it.
0: Greatest no, developer see, podcast. You're, well, you're, the you're aware of the, of the secret, right? You know about the secret?
1: I feel like I should, but you then. You probably
0: it, have heard about it at some point where if you be envision it. where you want to be, what you want to have, what you want to have. Are we to do, just have don't envision a, it. You, you say to yourself, we're there. Is we it a vision it. board? Is that what I need now? No, no. We have the greatest developer we have, podcast on the and planet. And it'll happen. It just happens
1: then. It just happens because we believe it to be. so. I feel like there's some people that believe a lot to be so, and it doesn't actually happen. But uh, but I think with you and me, I think it could happen. <laughs> of course it will. Of course it will. <laughs> so uh, I had an interesting conversation last night. Um, it's one of those things. I was talking to uh, talking to a friend of mine at church, and he's a, he's a teacher, and he's starting mm. a or he's trying to start a tabletop game club. Ooh. at his uh at his school um he's at a community college or no no it's high school sorry high school mm-hmm. and i was telling him how you mm-hmm. do the esports mm-hmm. at the community college and that kind of got us talking into computers programming games stuff like that he's not a programmer um you know uh but we he would some of the new news with like apple if you saw if you saw like the surface pro microsoft releases the surface pro and it has like two ports now and Apple re- releases its new, uh, its, its new um, MacBook, and it's got like all the ports. Wait, when you say two ports, which two ports does it have? I think it has. I think Surface has two Thunderbolt ports. Oh, it has, I think it's two Thunderbolt and like the weird surface magnet, like the proprietary Microsoft oh, okay. port. That, but that now, mag- now Apple like comes... Power thing? Yeah, Apple comes out with uh, with their with with their new uh, their MacBook, and it's it's got like HD full HDMI, a headphone jack, everything. So the roles have completely reversed. But we're, we're really? so we're talking about okay. tech stuff, oh. and he he's like, yeah, because that's what you do, right? You're a programmer. We were talking about some some things. Uh, specific, I think it was I think we were even talking about my my second oldest daughter who's been doing some Scratch like programming, and I said, yeah, and then we actually got into a conversation. Most of the time, Mark. I don't know, for you, but for me, when you're like, yeah, I'm a developer, and if you even try to start talking about like what you do or how you program or anything about that, people are just immediately, oh, it's computers. Yeah, I don't really understand that stuff. I like to call myself a hacker, Tim. Because like to, to, everybody
0: knows what a hacker is, every, right? Oh yeah,
1: sure. Everybody knows what a hacker is, especially <laughs> especially that professor at Penn State that uh, that was that was all on board with our hackathon the first oh, time. Oh, that's we right. I there. forgot about that. Yeah. yeah,
0: where he was like, "You what? You were, you're you're going to hack? You're going to break I, into I systems?
1: I, I can't expl- I can't have my students no. doing this. Are you kidding me? <laughs> you This is not something that should be encouraged. Um, but uh, but no, we actually got to talk about programming and a little bit of the kind of like the even the diff- well d- boiling it down there's basically two operating systems right there's a windows kernel and there's the linux kernel because freebsd and then mac os is all based on that um there's some other ones but when you're talking about mainstream what, mm-hmm. what what consumers are using it's pretty much two kernels and how you know programs written for different operating systems how that works and even the even the 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 difference in the fact that programs have to be able to be compiled for different Chip mm. architectures, right? Because you've got Intel and AMD, and just the fact that you can run software on two different microprocessors that have maybe some shared instruction sets, but different instruction sets is pretty, pretty interesting. And I got to explain a little bit about how there's compiled languages and there's higher level languages, interpreted languages. The stuff I program in is generally interpreted languages, even up to the point of saying, like what my daughter's been playing with. With it, which is uh, it's it's like a Scratch-based. So if you've seen the, mm-hmm. you, you drag and drop right. things. Yep. The Scratch-based mm-hmm. uh, programming, but Microsoft has something that called Mike. Uh, it's called Make Code, and they have a Make Code Arcade, and it's Scratch, but it's tuned for making games. Oh great! So you can basically say, see the sprite, mm-hmm. associated with the controls. What's
0: it? What's it called again?
1: Uh, it's called Make Code, and there's Make, Make Code. Code. They have a couple different variants. There's even a Lego Make Code in this. It's Scratch then applied to the MindStorm, mm, okay. um, the MindStorm hardware. So you can, you can program the MindStorm hardware using that same interface that kids are used to. And she's done Scratch before. So, but it's really simplistic because you can say, take the sprite, which is you, right? You're the player and mm-hmm. attach it to the controls. And now when you move the controls, the player's moving and uh, you know, it's, it's, it's tuned for games. So in that way, it's a higher level language, right? Mm-hmm. That is, that is tuned for the domain that you're working with, which is games and you know, it has that same properties of like, yeah, I write I write primarily in PHP, which is a higher level interpreted language, which runs on something that is written in C or C++. I forget what the source is now. And then that actually runs on an operating system. And that's what communicates with, you know, with the processor and does the stuff. But mine's a higher order language. Same thing with what my daughter's doing. It's a very higher order language that is for a very specific purpose to build these games. So it was, it was one of those rare things where as a programmer, I could actually explain a little bit of what we do. And people weren't just like, Oh, that computery stuff, no, nah, I can't follow that. I can't understand it.
0: But that, and that that's a lot better than making your daughter suffer through PHP. I wouldn't want to have suffer any PHP. Are
1: you kidding? Oh, is any, this is what this is gonna any become? Is this is this what this to is gonna go become?
0: Through and be torched? No, it's just <laughs> any I say, scripting language, even Java. anything, you know, I, will I, say. I think the tool set that's available to kids now is really, really exciting. Like I think, it's like, amazing and when which, you know, it opens up a door, especially if you get the kid at the right age where, like, they're, they're not jaded yet, right? They're not, you know, you, weren't, you didn't force them, like, why I made a joke about PHP, We're like, you didn't force them to have to look at code and just try to understand. It's like looking at a foreign language and not knowing how to read it, and then you just get turned off by saying, oh, it's just too hard to learn, it's too frustrating, I don't want to deal with it. But the, the interactive uh, applications they have now to learn the programming concepts, especially for kids, is great.
1: Well, and, and so she just the other day, I had somebody over, I was helping them figure out how to do stuff with spreadsheets, which is programming of its own kind, right? If you want to talk about a higher mm-hmm. order, you know, higher level language, uh, spreadsheets are kind hey, of... Hey, most startups would just be a spreadsheet, right? <laughs> something like that, yeah. <laughs> um, but I was I was showing how to do some things. Which uh, I think is actually ours. a
0: good sorry to interrupt you, but this is something I think about all the time. And actually it's yeah. helped me to kind of to kind of uh, how can this application not, be not let my mind run wild on I, on project mm. ideas that I'll never work on. So I ask myself, can this be solved with Google Sheets? And that's that's kind of where I want to get. I want to if I it want can, get that I should even be working on. It. I should just put, open up a Google sheet, put some data in there, and then you're good to go.
1: I like that. Because I, I wanna kinda get I wanna kinda get to that 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 concept here right so she saw me and this friend you know kind of helping them figure out how to do some some stuff in a spreadsheet and she she just went to Khan academy and started doing their javascript courses
0: oh great okay so, so it so opened up that door to kind of right, get her interested yeah, yeah she's in, yeah, that, so yeah. now
1: she's reading some code she's doing mm-hmm. some javascript drawing on it you know stuff that was similar to what we talked about last week right like some mm-hmm. of the first code is make a make a line bounce around on a screen right um, and then and then now make code too once you get into it, it has the Scratch-like interface, but it also has a JavaScript and a Python. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. they have variants where you can code and make code, the arcade, make the games, with whatever libraries are tuned for making games, but you can do it in JavaScript and you can do it in Python, which I think, I'm, I'm hoping, is the next step for her, right? Is to go from doing this drag-and-drop block stuff to going over to, to writing some code, and, and actually then, because the truth is, that's a lot easier to bug than, than block you know, visual programming. Um, when you can just, you know, move move commands around on a in, in an IDE like environment as opposed to dragging blocks in and out. But that's where I hope it goes. And What's really cool? What I'm excited. I haven't told her this yet, so hopefully she's not listening. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> but you can compile it and run it on um, some hardware. So Adafruit has a has these little handheld, thirty five dollar games, I think they're based on the new Raspberry Pi uh, microcontroller that you can go from from make arcade and you can just throw it right onto that and it's the same UI that you see on the screen. So
0: Is it, it just transferred further, by USB? Do you just yeah. plug in the device or USB and it detects it? And yeah, because I think just it's using a button to run it on it, and just compiles it, and sends it over? I think it, I think when it compiles
1: down, it's using CircuitPython, Circuit Python, lets you just basically drop Python code onto what is, appears to be your computer, a flash drive, mm, and then enough. the microcontroller executes the Python code. So you don't have to have like an IDE in flash like you would in a normal um, Arduino microcontroller type of uh, setup where you're, you're plugging in and saying flash, push this onto the, into the memory. It's just, it's a file system and you can just drag your Python code in there. So Ooh. for for getting started doing embedded stuff and you know, like hardware, firmware, whatever you wanna call it, like that type of programming, it's really easy. So Adafruit has this little handheld game and I'm just going to be able to take her her game and put it on there and she can play it like it's an actual game. Mm-hmm. So I'm really excited to when she gets a little further, just let her do that. But
0: well, okay, the, well, yeah. well that was something that like Andrew, you know, when we were doing back in the tech days when we, we did a couple of those um, those events, let's say we did we did the what Dis- mm-hmm. not discover Leo Valley, the um, the da Vinci Center. Yeah, a yeah, the the kids, yeah, Center, yeah, yeah, with the Yeah, yeah, yeah. they the kids came in and did different stuff. Yeah, mm-hmm. and they had some like simple kind of electronics, Arduino-based, or maybe just some LED kind of you know simple things. Just you know do a little bit of soldering, just kind of or just to kind of connect the wires together to see something connect. And then also the the benefit of the the Arduino platform to have like a code interface that could easily interface with some hardware kind of oh, yeah. bridges and makes that 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 connection real, right? So a kid can actually see. The code that they're writing on the computer and actually see it work something on a on a physical device right because right. you're saying blink
1: this light which is a whole lot better than saying echo this to a screen at least for getting people into oh this is i'm you know i'm communicating i'm telling a machine what to do mm-hmm. it's one thing just to see your text pop out on a screen which the truth is for most of us who are web programmers that's really all we're doing did, we're did just are... concatenating large amounts of
0: strings and sending them back to a browser did did your parents ever buy you, like, one of those electronic kits? Oh, like, the, yeah, like the, the Radio Shack the ones? Kind of the breadboard-style boards. You could kind of plug in, like, little lights or circuits or little like, transistors. Not the breadboard style, but, like, the one I
1: had was there are little springs on it, and you pull the spring back and stick the wire underneath it. Mm-hmm. And that's how you would wire it all up. They're all components that were in it. It was, like, the, I think, 100, I don't know what it was called, like, 101 electronic kit from Radio Shack. Yep. And now we've got for the kids we've got the snap circuits, which is pretty much the same thing where they're little like they're little like snaps that you have on a jacket, right? See that you snap I, them
0: together with components. When I did it as a kid, it, it led me down a dark path to go around <laughs> my house and see any bit electronics I could take apart. Oh, I remember nice. like I remember taking like taking apart like uh, you know, any like if it was an old tape player. I got def- definitely like an old well, old TV. But you had to be careful about it, but the uh, the cathode or the 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 tube based TVs, the back pastor, in, right? yeah, <laughs> the back in the past. And uh, it's just anything I could go around, I could I could scavenge just to kind of see how it was worked. Now I would attempt to put it back together and fail almost all the time, <laughs> but it was a great experience <laughs> just to open up the hardware, just see the wires, the boards, and that was kind of a kind of an interesting. Like I said, it kind of led me down a dark path where I probably took apart some things I should have taken apart, but. Just because of like they're broken then, I can't use them anymore. my parents can't use them anymore, but that was a fun experience,
1: you were fixing it, even though it wasn't broken. You were fixing it, and you just you couldn't yeah. fix it all you couldn't fix it all the way, yeah, yeah, I mean that's as a kid, that's what I had. I mean, it, for anything i the only past high school, the only study I did was in electronics, so so I have that a little bit of that background, but getting
0: back to you you, you piqued my interest about your Uh-oh. friend who you seem to have this really long technical conversation with let a well, really long technical. And, you covered but a lot of material. It
1: sounded like. Let me we just explain how computers work. Because he well, here... he he runs games on a Windows system, and he runs on a and he he has a Mac for for school, and just the difference in his perspective on what he likes about one over the other. You know, games don't run on he on on Mac. We we're talking a little bit about. Did you see this new Steam? handheld controller mm-hmm.
0: yeah that looks really exciting kind of like the you know it's what the the switch is great i have a switch for for my kids yeah, we, we get play a switch for the kids love it and it's great too but this looks like a switch for big kids <laughs> in a sense but Like because I mean, yeah, it, it's, cause it's it supposed to computer. run everything
1: right it's, much. it's a computer
0: you know and, yeah. it, and you could pretty much install anything on it it's it's a Linux, linux-based device uh it has a really good screen it's really powerful good graphics chip in it so i yeah i'm super super tempted by that
1: and so so my it, with that, though, Steam is Steam is trying to get all of their, as much as they can, the games to play on their new device, right? But their new device, is, mm-hmm. it, it runs SteamOS. Mm-hmm. It's not like it runs Windows. So they, now Steam's faced with an interesting choice, right? You either have to figure out how to port games easily from Windows to Linux and from Mac to Linux so you can play it on SteamOS. Mm-hmm. Or you have to make Windows games playable on Linux. And that's... The path they took, they are now contributing, I don't know if it's to Wine or it's to the successor of Wine, mm-hmm. but they are they are making a lot of contributions to that, which I find very interesting, because that means maybe I could run some of the non-game Windows software that I like to run on my normal desktop. Like, I would love to run Fusion 360 on my Linux machine. It's far more powerful than uh, than my Windows machine,
0: for sure. So... Yeah, and I don't know. I, I listened to a, a podcast that talked about this, and they're I'm not sure about the the system that they use, like the subsystem on top of Linux that they use. It's similar to Wine, but it's like their it's own. It's not Wine though. Yeah. Yeah, I forget what it's called. I'm trying to look it up, but I, it's, I cannot remember. Is it Proton? Protons? Is that what this? I don't know. Sounds familiar, um, but it's but it's but still a source right? from from developer podcasts I've been listening to. Where like they that platform's gotten really really good. Where the you know for let's say if you wanted to port a Windows game over to the, uh, the, the Steam OS, it's, it's a lot better than it used to be. You know, the well, trainers to do that. So which is something more I've than just no, the I have community. no experience with. It's something that's interesting. I, I also like the idea of the, the Steam Deck be able to, as it integrates with uh, game engines, like you have Unreal or Godot is a great uh, open source game engine uh, that could. Possibly provide like a like an easy integration. So if you're like you know building your game like Unity, Unreal, or Godot, and just hit a button to compile, sends it over to the Steam Deck nice. and run it. I'm hoping that's, I'm sure, sure Epic and Unreal will do that at some point to make that that uh, that way an easy kind of test platform. Uh, but because that'll be really exciting. I mean, just make it more accessible.
1: Yeah, and that be. I mean, that be from a. That's that's one of the things. Yeah, you know, as developers, is always like. I would like to also be able to do this or I like to play with this or I want to learn yeah. this language or the other thing and maybe we get to it maybe we don't but that's one thing that I've I've always wanted to play with either Unreal um or uh, Unity and and just see what those platforms are like in building games. And but I've, then, I've never been able to.
0: But then will it even be yeah. available? Like will the Steam Deck be-
1: like when when is it going to be released? Because with oh, the chip no shortage, idea.
0: everything that's going
1: on. I, oh, like, that's I, the other thing too. I'm still yeah, I'm waiting
0: to get a, a new PS5 and, and an Xbox, but I can't do it because of it's, it's it's non-stock. I'm not paying the crazy prices that the scalpers are charging online for them. And like, I saw it's, too. It's, I mean, it's crazy I mean, with the chip shortage. Like, and luckily, I got I upgraded my video card last year by buying a new computer. <laughs> I was like, like how would, do you upgrade your video?
1: Like, can you find it? That's the one thing. What? I built a brand new desktop this year.
0: Yeah, so I got a, I wanted to get a thirty eighty, probably not right when it came out, probably about six months after it came out. And yeah. the only way to really get it at a reasonable price was honestly just to buy a new computer. So that's why they that had it but, in it. Yeah, and and it's great. Uh, but yeah, if, to buy it like, market, you have to pay crazy prices, and they're just not available mm-hmm. right now it's just yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, this
1: chip shortage. Is great. a couple of things that impacted with that on the game side. Have you seen the? I think it's uh, Pocket OS from I think it's Analog. I'm not too familiar it's with the familiar, company. Yeah. But uh, it's a, it's going to be a cartridge, not an emulator. It's not an emulator. It's hardware that you put an old Game Boy cartridge in, and it runs. But it runs off the cartridge, not off oh, a ROM. So it's is it mm-hmm. just Game Boy compa- Like it's a Game of- Boy, Game Boy Color, a bunch of, and I think there's so some conversion, the, okay. so you can take mm, some of the other portable games. But it's but the thing is, you need the cartridge, and it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is in some way, it has to be an emulator. It's emulating mm-hmm. hardware that yeah. used to exist. But it's not loading it from a ROM. It's loading it, as far as I understand, from from a cartridge. But at the same time, they were supposed to release, I think, this year. They they're pushed to next year because of the chip shortage. Raspberry yeah. Pi had to increase their uh, their temp- They say temporarily increase the price of their their lowest kind of entry. That, that the the minimum entry point for uh, for a Raspberry Pi has always historically been thirty five dollars. They've had to bump it up to forty five. They had discontinued their one gigabyte model. And made the two gigabyte model the 35. They've had to bump that up to to 45, and now they're selling the one gig as a 35. Kind of re, you know, restart putting it back into manufacturing, so they can still have
0: that price point. Uh, but they're and that's what they they attribute well, it to is still the chip for shoulders. what that is. That's pretty cool technology oh. for only for only being 35 or under 50 dollars. That's crazy.
1: Yeah, <laughs> no, but what they're I think what they're I mean Raspberry Pi at this point is far more than you and me playing around with stuff. It's other so, or other hardware that is based on the yeah, Raspberry Pi module, yeah. or the compute module, or they're building they're building hat you know uh, hardware attached things for Raspberry Pi, and it's part of this package where it's like my my DIY kit costs this much. Well, that just changed by ten dollars, which in a DIY kit that may be that may be impactful. right. Yeah. So now they're at least giving the manufacturers the choice. You could go with you could go with the older. One gig model for ten dollars less, or you know, figure out how you're going to charge ten dollars more, or eat the cost for ten dollars more. Um, but yeah, the chip shortage is is everywhere. It's delaying everything. So who knows when we'll see the, uh, who knows when we'll see Valve's new uh, handheld. But that would be a great like to be able to write a game and just push it right to the handheld and get that experience <coughs> for uh, for for people, especially people that are just starting, you know, mm-hmm. getting started, pl- you know, playing games. It's a it's a lot nicer. I mean, yeah you can play games on a computer that's how i grew up playing games on a computer but there's something about console games or handheld games that are it's just a different feel and to be able to write something for that type of a system and see it come there immediately like as soon as the switch came out i was like how do i how do i write software for the switch i don't know somehow promised nintendo that you're going to make a lot of money and they'll give you a dev sdk but it, they ain't giving it to me they're not just someone who wants to play around with it you know, I'm not, I don't even want the special SDK. I just want to be like, can I write a program and somehow sideload True. it on, on on, that and see
0: how, it, nope, I don't think so. Uh, maybe yeah, the, that's the, the, the platforms have gotten better to, to to do testing and integration, but yeah, you still need, for those closed ecosystems, you mm-hmm. still need permission. So this, the uh-huh. Steam's new hardware is going to be great for that yeah. because hopefully you'll be able
1: to. But this all, all right, so now we're all coming down. This all comes together, right? So I had a great conversation with somebody about the stuff that we do. Actually, where we got to on that was, was him understanding trying to install Wine to play games on Mac and it not working, and me saying, "Oh well, hopefully that'll get better for you because Steam's making that better for everybody. If they're making that better for everybody, they're probably making it better for Mac anyway, since Mac is just a variant of Linux." And well, so he was install- got us-
0: I never did that. I've, do- I've done the Wine before on Linux before, but I'm- yeah, <laughs> that was a horrible experience. I never want to go back to it. But he, uh, on the Mac though, he's doing Wine on the Mac. I never. Well, never he tried. tried it didn't work. It didn't work out well at all.
1: So he didn't do it. <laughs> But it was, it was like, and that's why you could at least try. it Do you on know what type of game based he was on trying to get? SD. What game he's no trying
0: idea. to get? Played? Oh, I have no yeah. idea. We didn't get that I'm just far. But it, was,
1: it was more of like a how it all works
0: together and why you can run wine, which is oh, okay. Linux, on a Mac,
1: okay. and and that's where he got. So the chip he was arc.
0: he was just going to just his personal interest of like, okay, I have a Mac, I want to play some games on it. Yeah, I don't know how yeah. to. So we did, did some googling to find some articles on how to do that, and then maybe I guess, that's yeah. how he got started with it, huh? Yep. But he's really not a tech guy himself. He's not a programmer.
1: No, 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 no. He's a, he's a English teacher. So, uh. uh, so, but, but, so this all comes down to that was an interesting experience for me. Cause as a developer, most non-technical people, as soon as you start kind of talking a little bit about your craft are like, oh, I can't, I don't understand it. Or I still don't understand him. You still don't understand it <laughs> or the flip side. And I know you get this Mark is, Oh, you're
0: a developer. I have this idea. Oh my gosh. Oh, that, <laughs> Oh, you reminding me how I got triggered this week. Yes. We oh, talk no. You about got that. triggered. This week? <laughs> On Twitter, on Twitter, I got triggered a little bit. Yes, we can oh, talk. continue what you're going to say, and I'm going to look up the okay. tweet. So say. there's that. There's there's yeah.
1: always it's it's it seems like the answer is one or the other. And you're not technical, so it's like ah, uh, don't bore me with those technical details. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't understand it anyway. And you are just I just want to express to you the thing that I do every day. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. or the flip side, and I think for developers that are watching this podcast or listening to this podcast, I I hope that resonates with you that it's sometimes frustrating because it's not like it's it's not like you're going to tell them you know, let me tell you about a dependency injection container. You're just like, this is what I kind of work mm. on. And then people are like, oh, I don't know, computers. Yeah, I don't understand it. But the flip side then, and the other response is, oh, I've got this idea. You want to build it for me? I'll give you some of the profit. And
0: oh, but the truth is, it, I know it's gosh. so frustrating, right? So I don't, I'm, 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 I'm having I'm, flashbacks. I'm like having like i I'm, I'm triggering Mark from so badly the, right now. The Lee like, tech startup days. Oh my gosh, so many conversations. <laughs> But the truth is,
1: I'm pretty sure any developer who's been doing it for a while has a list someplace, whether it's actually written down, whether it's in their mind, of the things they have wanted to build. Mm-hmm. And we just don't get to it. But it's sure. like, and, yeah. and that's what you were saying earlier, yeah. right? A lot of things you're like, oh, I could build this thing, and then does it boil down to you could solve this with Google
0: Sheets, mm-hmm. and maybe you should solve it with Google Sheets? But we get or some, these ideas, of or somebody else has solved it, which you could just right. download the app and just even though it, which is so great. If you're somebody who's creative and you have the urge to create something, you know your mind will always go there, and you say, oh, I could that'd be kind of fun to work on that. I'd love to kind of use this app that I built on my own phone. But then you have to think about okay, once you've been doing this for a while, you know how long things take to make mm-hmm, <laughs> and to kind mm-hmm. of the how 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 laborious the process can become so you then say, as somebody you, else made it as you get yeah, as you get to be older you kind of think okay do i really want to spend the next three to six months you just putting together maybe i don't know or even just like a month a month of your time two weeks to a month just to get a simple prototype up you know, maybe as an experiment, are trying to learn something. That's usually what I kind of that's focus fine. on a project. That's if why If your goal is learning it. Tim, that's why we're doing this podcast, because I want to play with some is that why? new podcast wondering. 2.0 and technologies and do I've been, some projects I've been to be kind of fun with it. That. But for me, I need a project to be motivated to, to do something like this. But going back, you bring up a good point. I got triggered this week on Twitter, and I probably shouldn't have. And I, 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 I held back a little bit, but it was a, you know, it and. an Twitter's the probably pretty much the the primary social media, even though I don't have any apps installed on my phone. I still look at Twitter probably about once a day, primarily through, you know, Braid, the Braid browser. We talked about that. Keeping my privacy. Were you, were you keeping your privacy and making your bitcoins? Yes, that's true. We'll so talk about that I I on, a, on a future show or oh, future wait, wait. segment. Okay, okay. Um but and I and I like how Twitter, like they have their um their interests or topics that you can follow. So I pick like, you know, there's web developer topics, a gaming topics. So I have, like probably about you know five or six topics i don't think i've ever done that and i kind of because i actually don't follow that many people on twitter i only and the only people i follow this is a good rule if you ever interested in uh in me following you you have to follow me first so i only follow people who follow me oh, you're one, me. Of, you're one yes. of them yes because honestly it keeps it keeps the feed to a minimum right so i don't see but you that follow many people posts. that you that don't follow you like you you, you i use like, twitter lists so i do like their list feature which oh, i have follow them so I have about twenty different lists of different topics of like, and there could be like anywhere between fifty to I have some there like two hundred or one hundred fifty people on that list. So when I'm and when I have some time where I say okay, I want to look at my Unreal developers list, I'll just go to the list and I can see like the the posts that they made that that. Day you don't follow any of them. No, I don't. No. Okay. Unless they okay. follow, unless they follow me, unless or they follow I follow you, or wow. I may follow them, and maybe be, because of a conversation, maybe we go do a little back and forth on the Twitters, and then we and we may follow. But if he does follow me back, I don't know. We'll see. But um, so there's the, the secret, huh? Because of if the, you want Mark to listen to your podcast, he has to be on true, it. True. If you want him to follow <laughs> you on Twitter, you have to follow him first. Uh, because I, this what is interesting. Inter- uh, and what you'll you'll get when you follow these these topics that Twitter has, uh, it's kind of interesting because you can it'll just get some random tweets. And I know that they're they're more weighted tweets, which are like either they've been retweeted or favorited. You know, they, mm-hmm. so they have right. a higher uh, kind of a higher importance in their system or their ranking. So then they get showed up on other other timelines of other who people are following them, and then it, it just adds to the to the retweets of the favors. So this one guy posted says, "As a solo, solo developer." Building a scrappy startup, dot, 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 dot. Oh, should yes. I use Git? This is what you're talking about. All right. Yeah. And yeah. I was like, all right. Or is it okay? First of all, I was like, okay, that kind of like that almost those two lines for me as a developer, because he, he called himself a solo developer. So you're calling yourself a solo developer and you built maybe some prototypes or tests. I'm sure you were introduced at source control at some point. I don't know. Even well, if you don't use Git or use something else. One would hope. But he knows hope. it. He knows, he knows, he knows enough to. He's saying, should I use it? True. Should I use it? Okay. And this has like what? now it has like 400 favorites and 30 retweets and about 200 comments on it. I immediately said, okay, I'm not gonna not gonna get, get into this too much. But then I, I he then did an, another post following up to that said, okay, here's the context for what I what I just posted. I've used version version control for every project I've ever worked on, but recently I've realized I barely use it for anything. It's my code only, all my code is backed up on Google Drive. I don't use branches or PR or, or pull requests. I always forget to commit. It's more of a nuisance. So that was a follow-up tweet that he made to his initial tweet, this is where I got triggered. I was like, what are you doing? So then I immediately mean, said, okay, so if you need to ask this question, then you probably shouldn't be building a, a scrappy startup unless it's Twitter dev bait and then I applaud you. Uh. Nice. You know what okay. I mean? Like you're, yeah, going yeah, back yeah. to, clickbait. Yeah. you know, he's calling himself a sole developer, but is he really, or is he really just trying to do a technical post or technical tweet to get some comments from other developers to possibly start a conversation to eventually ask them to build whatever he's thinking about? Oh, Which that's happened, you... that's happened to me before. That's happened multiple times. Like I'll start really? a conversation with somebody on Twitter. Where people are like, oh, I'm, I'm building a... this thing. And nope. you're like, you're building it wrong. Like, can you nope. build it right with me? <laughs> No, they'll find that that i'll we'll talk about some technical issue just back and just comment on mm-hmm. each other's and then they'll find out i'm a developer and they're like or i had done development and then he's like oh you're a developer oh do you would you be interested in, in you know working on this one you know it's it's happened many many times so i get a little burned out by it then um so i don't know and then i looked at his then i kind of dug a little deeper and i go to his profile says i help software developers get a four-day work week so that's his profile on his Twitter profile. And uh, I was
1: like, you know, you know right. how you can get a four day work week. Like I've done basically nothing today because <laughs> I did it all in the other four days. That's how you get a four day work week.
0: Yeah. Just... But then he used to be a data scientist from Microsoft. So that's that's one plus. Okay. Uh, but his pin tweet is I paid someone a hundred dollars to write a blog post three months later and now gets 50 clicks on Google pay per day. So every day, is... probably many more months. So, it's a business Mark guy feels very triggered right now. This is, yes. this is, this is it's interesting going back to what you said about business people or just the have ideas and they want people to build it for them, <laughs> which, okay, let's make this a little bit more reasonable Uh-oh. and kind Uh-oh. of get me off the ledge. And Uh-oh. so I don't feel like I'm just going to like, want to do something bad right now. <laughs> how much do you think a business person needs to know or how much, how much effort do you think they should get into building a prototype or Ooh. You know, how, how far should they take it before actually trying to get a developer to help them with their project? Well, for,
1: okay. So I want to revisit a couple things though. I have to calm down there. here. So I got before, I got yeah, really so, agitated there. So, so I'm going to let you talk now. So yeah. I need to, I, I need to, I, I, I need to <laughs> revisit a couple things first. One was the whole, you know, we see something and there's already an app out there, but like, oh, but I can build it myself. And, mm-hmm. and to me, like to communicate kind of the ridiculousness of that, it's like, can i take a piece of wood and out of it fashion a handle and then get a bunch of a bunch of metal and an anvil and and uh and and heat it up in in a furnace and and shape out a hammer yes do they also have them at the hardware store yes just because i can build it doesn't mean it's worth me building it because somebody else, you know, but as developers, sometimes we get trapped in that, you know, I mean, every, this has to be like the the classic trap, right? I'm going to build my own ORM. Oh, okay. Right? Well, because I, I don't, I don't like how yeah. this ORM works. I don't like how this yeah. ORM works. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to build my own. I just saw a recent, there was a Medium post. Yeah. Um, about someone who's like, why I gave up on PHP or, or, or why I'm why I I regret using P. I forget what it was. It was something like that. And it starts with, well, I looked at a couple of ORMs and none of them were fast enough. So I just decided to build my own. And here's why I don't like PHP because of all the problems I ran into building my own ORM. It's like I think if you thought the existing ORMs weren't fast enough, you're probably doing something wrong. You're you're there's there's another optimization you're missing uh, or you think it needs to be faster than it really does but yes the classic trap for developers i'm going to build this
0: thing that is highly complex because i have a simplistic view of how it works yeah especially after you go through one project and you get burned out a little bit by the framework
1: that yeah, always happens. Like, i feel do, like okay or i burned by out with the myself. project
0: itself it's like oh that was very laborious for me to learn that it took so much time like you know i might take three months on that project but really the first two months would be learning the framework on, and then on, and you come out of that thinking like, "Oh, I could do that so much better." But if you're going to be doing something like that, if you're going to, yeah, I never had a thought of building, a, building an ORM. I did, I did want to build okay. my own like my own like MVC and you own router. You know, I've done that before. That's just a very so, of, yeah. That's a simple because thing if I too. want something super lightweight, but also I did it as a process just to learn it, to, learn, to learn, it, learn how kind of that. how that works. So if you are the type where you need like me, I need a project to actually learn something. I can't just I I can read about something, but honestly, if I read it, if I don't apply it, then I'm not going to learn it
1: yeah and that's um, i mean that's building your own orm layer mvc layer you know micro framework whatever it is for the purpose of learning applaud it yeah that's a great thing yeah but as developers sometimes we tend to get in this mindset of oh i see all the problems with these other things i know i can fix those and we miss the fact that just the thing that they already solve is really complex oh. and we're gonna have a hard time solving that but back to your so trigger get tweet back, tweet, to, yeah, to yeah, to back to, practical... to get. back tweet. I just want to. I want to revisit the version control thing for a second too, because we kind of oh, glossed sure. over the idea that I never use version. I forget to commit. It's all okay. my own files. Yeah. I'm the only thing. That 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 to me sounds like a guy with a screwdriver, saying, "Why do I need this screwdriver?" As he tries to use it to hammer a nail. The issue isn't that version control isn't useful to you, dude. It's you're you're using it wrong. If you're forgetting to commit, what are you using the version? The whole point uh-huh. of version control is for me to make small incremental changes. So when I go, hmm, I just, I just introduced a bug. Where did I introduce it? Let me find that change set. Let me figure out how to fix it. The whole point of version control isn't backing stuff up because it's already backed up on my Google Drive, right? It's not uh-huh. about having a backup. It's about having a history of the of the evolution of your code
0: so when things go wrong, you can figure out why. I mean, I wonder well when I was first introduced to version control it was with uh, CVS and uh, mm-hmm. and also Microsoft back, Visual yeah. Visual Source Safe I believe that was the name a long time ago. Because you you
1: went from CVS to SVN yes. to then you Well,
0: know, well the, I know well, I realized, well maybe I you did I think you didn't, Visual, like... Visual Source Safe is its own priority, right. a zone priority proprietary Microsoft version control system that like I said, it's been so long since so I've touched I'm not sure what what the, what they're doing now. Uh, but yeah I was first introduced to, just because my own, pro, I think when I was at um, the tax administrator I was working for, when I was wanting to work and I went to, and they didn't have a way to back up their code. Like, and that, that was surprised to me thinking back at it now that I worked for a company that had its own develop, that their own developer department. And the only way they backed up the code was on different servers. You know, they may have like the backups of the servers. And if we, if that actually happened many, many times we we're like, uh, they lost some code and they had to, retrieve a backup retrieve, yeah from like a like a previous uh you know from, from previous version of the server but that's still bad uh, because you don't i mean who cares about the i mean yes obviously you want the current so,
1: version of the code but what about last week
0: yeah so once i started doing my kind of had more control over my own projects then i started okay what kind of type of this 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 is very very bizarre this way i had to rely on a server administrator to to mm. uh get a previous version of my code back and took forever and just it wasn't yes yeah, so i i got into cvs which that's kind of you know the open source uh, kind of source control very very old where you kind of pre svn and right. i it did a good job of just backing up uh when it there was conflicts there was many times that i i lost some code in that too or the 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 database just kind of broke so i wouldn't recommend anybody to use it now because like you're saying svn or get you know i once i switched to git i never went back i don't think i'll ever no i, I don't know if i've ever will ever use a different source control yeah you know, system other than that because i mean there's there's just there's, got, there's, just, the there's things, things that are related now.
1: to git but going back like the old svm or C, cvs yeah.
0: uh model is it was or, just so painful to do merges yeah or even like even like the uh the the, the get desktop client which is really really good from a user interface standpoint i and i have it installed I occasionally you know, like open like up like Hub
1: desktop client yeah
0: yeah, I'm sorry, the GitHub, uh, that's right, the GitHub desktop. because yeah. I use just GitHub. So I, I, I like the interface, but once you get in kind of the, the patterns of using the command line and using, you know, a version control system that's, that's run, that runs really, really well on the command line, it's really, really nice, super fast. So I would probably never go back to any or go to anything else. Yeah. But that's, and so that's the
1: point. Like if you're, even if it's your own personal project, it's like, why don't you want to see the points? It's it's like save points in a game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. I I went down the wrong path. Okay. How do you undo it? Well, you don't. If you've not even if you're using version control and you're never committing, you don't undo it. And that's or even if you
0: well then take the the next step too. Let's say you do a prototype and you do use version control. Well, then once you start want to bring in another developer to work with you then you guys have a platform now to share code and be able to edit code together. Do you ever remember back in the, have you ever had the experience back in the day of trying to work with another web developer and editing the same files and be able to not overwrite each other without version control?
1: Ah, uh, I feel like, yes. I feel like, I mean, it's been a long time ago, but yeah. Because of, this, and there's always the whole, like we're FTPing to the server. Oh no, I overwrote your change. But mm-hmm. it's been years since that because like, that's not how you, that's not how you do software development now.
0: Because there's, there's a file locking, because I remember that when I worked yep. off of, in, in the company of, you know, we would be working basically off the exact same server off from, from same... a terminal.
1: Okay, okay, yeah. From I've a n- terminal. And what never been do, in that
0: situation. So the, there was rules in the process of what we would do to follow to making sure we were not stepping on each other's toes. Because we could edit the same. Well, actually, no, the, the system allows to it lock the file down so we wouldn't be able to, to access that if somebody was, else was editing it. But what we would do is we would have make copies of the files that we'd be working on and then oh, have to manually merge them together <laughs> just it's, by looking at the lines of code right, and be able to do that. Right, which exactly you, what version control yeah. does for you. Yeah. So you it was know, just a it, manual process. Yeah.
1: Now, the flips, like what I do now though, if uh, so, Jet, JetBrains, for mm. in my opinion, best IDEs. Um, I, I love the stuff that they're doing and, uh, they they have a plugin for, I think pretty much any of their IDE called code with me, where you can send a link and somebody else's computer, it'll, it'll use their installation of JetBrains or it'll launch a kind of installable client if they don't even have, um, the JetBrains IDE there where they can see the code that you're working on and they can work on it too. So mm. you have the idea of pair programming where, I can share exactly what I'm working on with you and you can change the files. Now, sure, you got to understand what you're doing there that you are allowing someone else to change files in your computer. And there's even you know, you can select do you want just just view only? Do you want them only to, to be able to have access to files that you're working on or do you want to actually give them you know, access to the entire um project that you're working on? And when it's coworkers inside the same team as you know, the code that I'm working on, then yeah, there's not as much of a concern there. And we've used it where I work for a couple a couple, you know, more than once. It's it's something that we use every once in a while. I and mean, it's really nice. In fact, there was one time when we were doing what would be considered swarm coding where there were a bunch of us all in the same file talking about how we were gonna make this work. Mm, mm-hmm. And I was adding lines of code in a method saying, All right, I need this and this and this, so we need to inject those in the constructor. And someone else was able just to scroll up and start adding them to the constructor. Because yeah. it doesn't it doesn't force you to follow the other people, so we're all like work. It's it's like what you're describing. We're all working in the same code base at the same time, though, and it's it's like collaboratively editing a Google Doc. Only it's your IDE, and it was it was quite a, you know, quite an interesting experience. And from a from a how to, how well does pair programming work? Concept, and this was multiple. This is more. I think it was three or four people. All making changes in different places because we're saying, "Oh, this is how we're going to change it." So I know what change I need to make here. You know what change you need to make there. So this all works together, and everybody able to kind of edit at the same time, and we run the test, and they all work. And it, it was it was it was quite an interesting experience. Um, hey, so it's, I'm for any IDE as long as it has a Vim mode. It does. I mean, any uh, yeah, Jet, all the JetBrains IDEs you can install. A, Did you ever walk down? Program. Are
0: you are you on the Team Emacs or Team Vim? You ever go go down there? No, I'm on Team using IDE. <laughs> Give me a break. <laughs> I I am I am stuck on well that's the thing if I use any IDE like I use Visual Studio Code I use um, uh, Android Studio I use uh, well if you use, use Android Studio Excel, you're Excel. using a JetBrains product true true yeah I'm just thinking about the different IDEs or Visual Studio or just Visual Studio um, we use that too but I always turn on the Vib mode or that interesting one job I had I worked with a Turkish programmer the two things he loved most about programming was Vim and Perl the wow. vim stuck with me he taught me how to use vim and yeah. it's once you kind of get into that pattern and your brain starts to, to wire around the uh you know your your visual mode your edit mode and, or your insert mode and be able to kind of move around do replacements real quickly just kind of navigate just using keyboard don't not touch the mouse at all you you, you it becomes a dependency your kind of your mind starts to depend on and if i go away from that for a while i can do that but what i find though is like I feel like I'm just not, it doesn't feel right. And then once I turn the mode back on, and what I find is once I turn the mode back on, it actually slows down the IDE, which is kind of a pain. Like in Visual Studio Code, I was actually in that for, what was I doing? Does it like really? A couple of weeks ago. It just felt like, well, okay, when you're typing the code and you feel like it's just not like when you press the keys on the keyboard, it's not registering on, on the display as fast as it could be. I know also what the IntelliSense or some of the work that the IDE is doing is trying to analyze your code while you're typing it. That could also cause some right, delays right, here right. and there. Yeah. But sometimes with these Vim modes, if they're not you know, clean or programmed you know, as, as well as it can be, they can sometimes act a little bit slow. So And I just go back to just going back to the, on the command line and, uh, or just using up the, the default GUI uh, VIM application. But anyway... It was like kind of going back to, you know, once you kind of learn it, like, like even just an ID, and you know, I know a lot of developers, it was not Vim or Emacs or just a, an ID. They, you know, it kind of, they feel comfortable with it's this tool that, you know, if you use it for a very long time, it just feels like a, you know, comfortable, warm blanket that you go home to at night and it makes you feel all nice and cozy.
1: So that's your, well, I mean. I may not have the same feelings as you do, <laughs> but I do know there are those on our team who know Vim, and they can get around Vim in, uh, you know, ways that I I would never be <laughs> able do to, do you- to do. And there's a developer on our team who uses Vim and the Vim bindings in PHP Storm. Yeah. You know, because he knows them so well, but he's still using PHP Storm because there's a whole lot more benefit to an IDE. Yeah, just, it's just yeah.
0: interesting. Like when I use an IDE with somebody or like when I'm teaching somebody too, like I won't even, don't, won't, mm. even go there with them. But if I'm using, let's like, say Dreamweaver for my design students, because from a visual editing standpoint, you know, Dreamweaver is easier for them to kind of see the HTML, the CSS and it helps them okay, write yeah. that. Uh, but I could never use it myself. Like if I would force my, like, my day-to-day work or my own personal projects, I would, you know, I would have to just basically just use a text editor, you know, because I know how to operate that. It's much more of a better, faster experience for me. Have you, yeah, have you ever used WebStorm? I mean, back I'd use that back, and they felt slow to me back in the day. I didn't, I didn't I'd I'd use it should, for that much. They've done they've they've done great work because it. it's because it's written in Java, right?
1: All see that's the thing though. Um, yeah, all of JetBrains IDs are in Java, but coming they... from using things like Zen Studio or Eclipse, which were written in Java oh. and were slow, 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 slow. Eclipse, slow. yeah, that's it. Yeah, right, Ugh. right, right. Yeah. Um, it's surprising how fast they run. I don't, I don't have, I mean, on my dev system, I don't have a problem with Storm running. I mean, I've got a pretty beefy dev system, all but the video cards, since, you know, video cards don't exist right now. Um, but everything else on my dev system is pretty fast, so. But back to the question. Which question? The, the question that triggered you. I'm
0: um, to bring you back. To that. I finally walked myself off the ledge. I got I really know, emotional there for a little bit. No, but now br- you're gonna bring me back to the it. The people
1: that have asked <laughs> you as a developer to build something for okay. them. Yeah. What are the things that you've said? Man, one day I want to build this. Like I've got a list of things mm-hmm. that I would love, like projects, either side okay. projects, yeah. and I just don't have the time to do them. Mm-hmm. But I've got a list, and some of them have been pitches that we've kind of mock pitched mm-hmm. at at uh, Lehigh Valley Tech, uh, either startup weekends or something like that, and that I've seen on Kickstarter later. You know, there's been ideas that's like, "Oh, yeah, there's that idea. somebody else finally built it. Um, you know whether it's a hardware project or a hardware software pro- or just software. So what are some of the things that
0: you've wanted to build? my Anything? my dream project that I'm kind of slowly chipping away at is I want to make an AI that will design. So basically, you could take a like a, a set of text files of you know text text copy that mm-hmm. you know a marketing person would write, maybe a, a series of images be able to do analysis of that and to a little bit of learning to okay. be able to apply that to a design for somebody. So I do so think like that that's going to happen eventually. Like a website style design? Yeah, like a website or just a layout for an interface if for some type okay. of visual interface that somebody has to like just process that information in an uh, in, in easy way, uh, either online or on a device, uh, but primarily what I'm thinking about from a web perspective, because I do think we're slowly getting there with, uh, you, know, the, um, you know, the systems like, that. I, you know, I do talk to my students about how the fact of like, they're trying to put web designers out of business, like the Squarespace, the Wix, well, the, and those we, are
1: those are like very they, focused templates. Like, they okay, they, they start with a template,
0: but the tools have gotten around the templates have gotten really, really good. Where like, right. if you just have a good marketing eye, you could start with a template. You could change a few things as long as you're good about adding, you know, know what content to to add to the site. You don't really need a, a designer. I and I recommend that to many people who let's say you're a photographer or uh, oh yeah, if, if I, you're if, a video if, editor, you there's no reason you should be spending any money on paying somebody to build a website for you.
1: Oh, yeah, or you if you're selling, going. you're selling like little stuff at your farmers yeah. market or something
0: like that, and you just you got product photos. Yeah, go to Squarespace. The tools have it? gotten so good, and the templates have gotten a lot Seriously, cleaner. When did, when
1: did Squarespace start sponsoring this, man? When did? Like, there's
0: <laughs> maybe someday. Yeah, maybe they, get barley, man. Get barley. <laughs> All right, um, <laughs> but thinking about also the like the no code movement, which is something I've been following too. Have you have you seen like Webflow? The no code. I mean. I'm like there's a
1: serverless man i, th- I it, i've been working on servers all my life and now they're telling me they're going away but what's what's the no code
0: so if you go to like if webflow.com is a good example of this is this, okay. it's an online uh website web page editor that's vi- it's all visual once you can start with a template and then it's just mm-hmm. a visual tube basically like a drag and drop visual editor that that then Converts that to HTML and CSS, which you could export that out and take it someplace else. But so it's, no,
1: it, no code isn't talking
0: about no programming; it's talking about no yeah. Which no you don't really. It's HTML. it's made for people to not have any requirements for HTML and CSS. Okay, right? so it's, made it's not. For de- it's, it's made no for market. designers. Yeah, it's made for designers. You you know, good visual hierarchy, typography, color theory. You know, mm-hmm. they, they just who have an eye for it and to yeah, yeah. be able to to know what they want to create and get. It's a good tool set well,
1: around that. And it feels like I mean. It feels like that's the jump that we kind of missed for years that should have been honestly from dreamweaver and front page and things like that yeah to
0: now so which i think that's where it's going to that's why i brought it talk about ai or artificial or machine learning because so, yeah. what you're talking
1: about now is all template driven it's all correct you know you pick the template you change the colors but are you saying your ai is going to look at this copy and kind of from that try to get the emotional feel and then understand but how to visually represent that. Also, using
0: machine learning on existing designs that already oh, exist. Because okay. if you if you do announce that, I've kind of thought about the process. Like, what if I could just you could have an algorithm that I'd go through basically take screenshots of mm-hmm. all these websites to analyze what the text and the images. You could analyze it also for positive and negative space, which is basically the white space right, around the right. content, and then be able to understand layouts with that. So you could do a lot of machine learning to understand how how. Pages are laid out just to kind of see what the existing pages are laid out, and then take that. Especially since you somebody... can parse it, and you can understand the
1: link structure yeah. too, because yeah. you can get the information architecture from a page, and then also how that relates to its visual appearance. Yeah, which from a machine learning standpoint would be great. So
0: that's my idea. So let's say wow. go go to sitebuild.io, sign up there. Well, actually, you can go to it, it's just is you'll there... just see sitebuild.io. Site. What is it? Site built. Site 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 build. Site build. Yes. So site build.io.
1: Okay. Site build and then I sign build.io. up there for the free account. Well,
0: eventually and... you'll be able to sign up. Right now you just see the name of site build.io <laughs> on the page. <laughs> but it's actually a real application that I'm actually building. I'm starting out with but first with the, the no code uh uh, type of architecture, type of uh, pattern. So we're saying, okay, there's a great open source online editor called Grape JS. Might want to mm-hmm. take a look at that. Which is basically a visual editor for HTML and CSS that then outputs out HTML and CSS you could store like in a um, you know database or no. He's like store. literally just dragging like this. Yeah, is drag a area, area. it's a really great. It it's an open source editor. Put an image. Change and the actually, font. Webflow.com is built on that. Okay. Right. So they're using that open source editor for that. So my idea is to integrate that editor with Firebase. That's kind of my Kind of my my prototyping platform, as we will see from the you know the website we threw up, right? So I like to use to so kind of th- put that into a a React uh, application that's on built on top of Firebase, and just get get something working, but from a no code uh, workflow, you know, to really make it for designers, you don't really want to worry about the HTML and CSS. And the next step is once we have that in place, to then build in like an AI layer on top of that. So then for 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 people design. who are like, even designers. The, yeah, just the okay. marketers, the business people, the people who have an idea, they want mm-hmm. somebody to build it for them, All but right. they don't know how to, so they could give them an IA, an I.A to, uh, to uh, build that. So yeah, yeah. That was something that I, yeah, that's something that I kind of have. Think, I am working on that from a, just a nice. the visual designer standpoint, because I do think the idea of you know getting the design tools to, to the point where you don't have to worry about HTML CSS, I do think it's going to get there. You know it, tools ha- the tools have gotten better. And browsers, you know, are pretty compatible when it comes to HTML and CSS, even though CSS gets to be more and more complicated every year. Um, as we kinda they add feature sets to it. And then but I do think the tools are gonna get to the point where designers won't need to know how to do HTML and CSS. It should get there.
1: They just have to know how things relate and how
0: types of content blocks and well, going and back like to that, your right? your teaching codes how to visual program. Mm-hmm. You know, that's where visual programming is going, where like, you know, once we can provide good interfaces, good visual interfaces to do a lot of the the, the logic that you need, but then also from the back end, the uh, the AI will also kind of fill in the gaps there. I do believe that, you know, so all like, you know, as future developers, we're really still going to have a good idea of how to program, but the way they're going to programming might not be as much code. It's just going to be uh, connecting widgets together and then having a, a computer kind of fill in the gaps.
1: Gotcha. Don't yeah, you so, think
0: that?
1: you'll be on no, a no, job no.
0: in like in a, you know, let's say like twenty years, things.
1: maybe. I don't know. I mean <laughs> we, we keep on we keep on kind of going to higher levels of of programming, which is no, I, what I, I was I, talking about. But
0: I joke about that, but I do think no, there's always gonna be programmers. I think there's always gonna be programmers, there's always gonna be people who's writing the, the that that on kind of close low level But we're making it more accessible. Know? We're we're yes. we're making which, things that would
1: used to have required someone with a very specific technical you know uh skill set mm-hmm. more accessible to people who don't have that skill set and it's it's fine
0: you know like you don't have to be a mechanic to drive a car which as a front end developer and a user interface designer that's what I that's what really interests me of thinking yeah. about okay how can you make these interfaces easier for non programmers non developers to make you know interactive applications or experiences and be able to make that as a, as accessible as possible
1: yeah so we're you know Basically, fifty-three minutes into our hour podcast, and you answered my first question. And I don't think we talked about anything else that we wanted to talk about today either. Well, as I said, we you answered my first question, which was: <laughs> Is there anything that you, as a developer, you want to build? Like that list because you have a list, I have a list. So this is your list. You want to build the AI. Well, number two of design. my list, number was... two of my list, besides
0: the AI well, driven wait. design,
1: don't get there is yet. What? Don't get there yet. Now I have a bunch on my list, and most are not something I'm going to be able to do in the near future. But one thing I should do is right now, if you go to my website, timlittle.net, it will take you directly to my Twitter profile because I am a web developer who does not even have his own website. So, and well, as a young developer, developer too, you're all <laughs> like, oh, I can write code to make this website. As me now in my career, I'm like could I just generate this as a static site and throw it up there someplace? I might want to change some content eventually, but man, I don't want to deal with hosting it anywhere. I just want to put HTML files someplace and let it mm-hmm. go. And uh, so that the whole concept of static sites really. Well, you have a lot your, of appeal to them. Your GitHub pages, right? Right. Yep. You just just that, that, kind of render that or image or I... and,
0: and then push the content someplace. But Yeah. For you as a developer I think there's a lot of good uh, stacks like generators that are that do a good job of generating uh, HTML that you just throw up on a Google uh, uh, page as a commit and you're good to go
1: yeah you and, and it's like it's not like you're necessarily writing the raw HTML uh, you can still use templating
0: mm-hmm. but
1: you have your content is static it's not in a database someplace and you add file content files and then you point some code at it and say, okay, build the site and then deploy the site by just uploading it, which is really, if you think about it, similar to how we used to build websites when we would hand edit the HTML and upload it. It's just, we're, we're, we're automating that process. We're yeah. generating the HTML, we're shipping it up. Um, but that's, you know, that's something that is definitely on my more shorter term to-do list, but that leads into the fact that apparently we really are doing more than just talking, I guess, about having a podcast because we have a,
0: we have a podcast site, right, Mark? Tim, when I asked you to do this, I was serious. <laughs> I was like, "Pedal to the metal. Let's just take this to the next level. Let's make this the greatest developer podcast on the internet." You're, you're, you're. I've never questioned your seriousness. <laughs> but you did question whether I'd be able to get the website up this week. I know you. You know did what? That. There
1: was there may have <laughs> in the back of my there may have been a little, you know, a little bit of a wonder at that. But we do it. It's what is it? It's DevFridayShow dot com. Yep, and just have a bare bones site Which, up here right now. Not to be confused with a completely different thing, oh. which is the Dev Fridays How, and that is where me and Mark show you how to have a Dev Fridays. But the Dev dot is a completely different Whoa, site.
0: I'm, my mind's been blown. You just are you just <laughs> launching something else around the Dev Friday Show? No, no, that's the Dev Fridays. It's this it something how, we could, we could get some not funding for? The Dev for? Friday
1: Show. They okay. sound very similar and they're spelled almost the same. Are but we you want to go for this? to <laughs> subscriptions? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's <laughs> it's it's like it's like me and Mark not teaching you something, but pretending that we are. And that's oh, okay. the Dev Friday right. gotcha. how. I got gotcha. you. the site okay. that we just
0: launched was the Dev Friday show. And that is what it is. Is a static site? I'm guessing. Yeah, it's built on Gatsby. It's built on Gatsby. It's uh, hosted on Firebase, which is Google's uh Fire uh, kind of their static hosting platform that gives you some basic uh, hosting distributed on their you know their own kind of content network. Uh, do you know I like it because it's kind of a it's a good platform that I think it's easy to use. Like the interfaces, I like the authentication, the dat- this kind of the uh, the uh, NoSQL data database that it has. So it kind of is a good platform that I'm comfortable with. That's primarily where I host most of my personal projects on. Uh, so, but I it's Gatsby, which is a a platform that's built on top of React, right? So it's primarily built with just JavaScript. And um, so using, it's static in that the page is already rendered and shipped, but then it's pulling data
1: from Firebase. Is that am I understanding that correctly?
0: Eventually will be. That's why you know you you when you, you said okay, we should just throw up a page for the feed, right? You said oh, just throw mm-hmm. up a Google Pages, yeah. right? Just get yeah, the feed yeah. started. It's like yeah, that's a good simple approach, but you know me, I gotta like think about how to make it where harder. I want to be, right? I'm I'm believing the secret, Tim. I know I want to know where I'm gonna be at. I want to know how successful I'm gonna be with this, right? So. I envision this site to not just be an RSS feed or a podcast 2.0 feed that we're going to be able to make a lot of money off of, uh, but to actually be a great site for, you know, for for content, right? So, I, so along with, you know, because we're doing the well, show with... We can with still a, do that with static,
1: though. We don't need to pull it from a database. We can just commit it to GitHub.
0: True. Well, that's what we we're doing, because it's, it's Markdown, right? So, okay, it's, so we're just it's, gonna, a, okay. it's a static site, and I think... Do you take a look at it yet? I briefly looked at it. I couldn't right, figure so out what stuff was. All right, so let describe it. Like so I said, yeah. I want to do a screenshot. we got like right? a minute no. left, so yes. go for it. And uh, So all you have to do is just, no, literally I, have a I minute believe left. I gave you access to the to the GitHub repository, right? You should be able to test that out let me know if you have access to it. I can, yes. And then all I got to do is download that, look for the content directory, duplicate your oh, right the markdown there? files. That's all you can do. Change the markdown file, like make a new markdown file, push it up. You're good to go. Builds it. Everything's done. Perfect. So we've got we, get, oh, we got there
1: I so saw we have both shows up. So and as we'll a PHP
0: have... developer, I think you can write some markdown. I think, I can yeah, I think you markdown. can do that. All right, yeah. there
1: you go. <laughs> so we have we have we have a website up there, devfridayshow.com. It has an RSS feed. Next week maybe we'll be
0: in the podcast apps. Yes, my goal for next week is to be in the podcastindex.org index and also on iTunes. We'll get some we'll get some uh, art for the podcast. We'll make this legit. All right. I'm or working a virgin, on transcription version two stuff.
1: in one week. And we'll talk, maybe next week we'll talk about me getting back into podcasts. See you then.